welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and passionate about helping more women to understand and accept their amazing ADHD brains. After speaking to many women just like me, and probably you, I know there is a need for more health and lifestyle support for women newly diagnosed with ADHD. In these conversations, you'll learn from insightful guests, hear new findings and discover powerful perspectives and lifestyle tools to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and purposeful life wherever you are on your ADHD journey. Here's today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef. And today I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm bringing you back my episode with Dr. Ned Halliwell. Now, most of you, I think, will have heard of Dr. Ned Halliwell. But if you are new to ADHD, you're new to understanding all of this, I would 100% recommend that you head straight to his, probably his new book, ADHD 2.0. He is a psychiatrist. He's worked with ADHD for about 25 years, I think. Um, He's a leading expert and author on ADHD. And he's bringing out a brand new book. And I can't wait to read it. We've been in touch since we recorded this podcast together. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that we are going to be doing a another episode together when he brings out the new book. So watch this space. Um, I've got some exciting plans for this one. Now, I wanted to bring you a clip of my conversation with Dr. Ned Halliwell, which I think is probably one of the most profound things I've ever heard. We talk about the DMN, the default mode network, and the impact that has um, of understanding that, really understanding what the DMN is for ADHD. I'm not going to talk too much about it because it's in the clip. But he also talks about how we can thrive with ADHD and what are those sort of key components. Now, what happened was I studied with Dr. Ned Halliwell last summer. So I did um, a five-day workshop, live workshop with him. And it was one of the most, you know, fascinating weeks of my life. And then I went on um, a few weeks later to do a sort of a bit of a debrief workshop. So what I've done in the next part of the podcast is include some of that workshop so you can really sort of hear my reflections and, and I guess what I deduced and how I explained lots of the things that he he taught us. So it's kind of like um, you have a bit of Dr. Ned Halliwell and then you have me. We do a little bit of tapping as well. So if you are not familiar with tapping and you don't know the tapping points, maybe have a look at a couple of my videos all on my website or on Vimeo. There's lots on my Instagram as well. So if you just have a sort of like a little flick through. But if you are familiar, just tap on the points um, and sort of talk alongside me or use words that feel good to you. But yeah, I really wanted to bring more of a practical mode to what I have understood from neuroscience perspective of what the DMN is and how we can sort of override it. And we know about neuroplasticity. We know that despite having this very powerful default mode network with ADHD, we are able to help ourselves by rewiring the way we think, rewiring the catastrophization mode that we have, which is not you know, just there and we sort of have to just deal with it. There are lots of options, including medication. If you want to listen to the full episode with Dr. Ned Halliwell, I've put them in the show notes. You are able to have a little look. So I really hope that you enjoy this week's episode. Take care. It takes me forever to get through a book. In fact, my wife says, I don't know how you know anything. It takes me so long. But I majored in English at Harvard, you know, so and I, I did have to read to do that, major in English. 
it's one of the misconceptions about these things is that you 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 are disqualified from uh, and it's just not so i mean yes i had to work harder but then the the gift part of dyslexia kicked in and and i was able to excel and the, the same thing with adhd but i didn't know there was a name for the ways I did things. I knew I did things differently. I knew I went outside the box. I knew I liked to, you know, I went off on tangents all the time. That's the way I go through life. I mean, it's one distraction after another. But you see, I, I'd say those distractions, uh, if you put them differently, they're explorations. And, and some of them are, are wonderful. So, so there I was in 1981. I'd finished my residency in psych, adult psychiatry. And you have to do something after that. And uh, there was there's choices. You could be a chief resident. You could do a, a year of psychopharmacology. You could study forensic psychiatry. It, you know, it's a garden of earthly delights. But I chose to do a two-year extension in child psychiatry just because I thought that would be very interesting. Well, child psychiatry is, is where... Uh, ADHD lives. We are the people who get the most training in it. And it's unfortunate because we are rare as hen's teeth. Most people don't want to do the extra two years. So it's hard to find a child psychiatrist. And, and but I, so there I am sitting in July, a warm summer morning in July. And this uh, teacher, Elsie Freeman is her name. She was a, a neurologist and a psychiatrist. And she introduced me to what was then called ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder. The H wasn't part of it. And as she talked, I had this, you know, it's like Saul on the way to Damascus. I mean, I thought, whoa, that, that's me. And uh, But the more she talked, the more I realized that the medical model, the deficit disorder model, left out all the good stuff. I knew I was smart. I mean, I proved it many times over. So you, you can't tell me I've got some disorder, or if it is a disorder, then it's got a lot of good stuff with it. And that's what I realized then that, that yeah, I had this condition called ADD, but that the medical model only got it half right. They, they left out all the good part. And that makes sense because medicine is about pathology. You don't go to the doctor because you feel so good. Uh, you go to the doctor because you're in some kind of pain. But when it comes to the mind, it's really important that you fill out the rest of the story, because we identify with our minds. We, we don't identify with our kidneys. You know, if you say, well, you've got a sick kidney, you, you don't take offense at that. But if you say you've got a sick mind, you do take offense at it, and it hurts your feelings, and it, it diminishes you, you in, your, in your own rating. And that's the real disability that we inadvertently create, we practitioners. The real disability is not uh, ADHD and the symptoms that come with it. The real disability is thinking you're stupid yeah, and thinking you can't do stuff yeah, and thinking you're excluded from the higher walks of life. And, and if you're not so, I can name you people at the top of every single profession who have it. I can name you Nobel Prize winners, you know, self-made billionaires, let alone millionaires. And, and you know, most entrepreneurs have it. But most people don't know that, in, including, you know, the people in medicine who, who I think, Russ Barkley, who's one of the leading researchers in the field, uh, said to me once, Ned, will you please stop talking about the advantages with ADD? Because nobody wants to fund research into advantages. Mm. 
Yeah. So there, there's a reason you want to promote the downside because then you'll get research money to investigate it. And, you know, I fully appreciate that. The problem with promoting the downside is the damage you do to the people who have the condition. They walk around thinking they have a deficit disorder. I mean, what's that terrible term? Is a deficit disorder? I've got a deficit disorder. There's no way you can give that to a child or an adult and have them feel good about it. Um, and, and it's... Uh, it, and it's inaccurate. We don't have a deficit of attention. We have an abundance of attention. Our challenge is to control it. Yeah. So it, it's, and I don't see it as a disorder. I see it as a trait. If you manage it right, it can become a great asset as it has done for me and for millions of others. And I look back and I think, why did I not see that was ADHD, but I didn't know what to look for. But now I use it as an example for anyone else that is struggling because they want to fit into a box they want to conform and i don't think that's what we do we we want to spread our wings we want to do things differently and that's when we thrive and so your your negative thinking was about how you weren't enough of a conformist yeah i was like what's wrong with me why can't i just be like a normal person like I, honestly the the language and the self criticism that i used to you know think about and and it was so detrimental like what, would you, what would you call yourself i'd just be like why why am i like this like why am i the way i think like, what, though? like, what? like what? um why but it was also i was quite i used to say i'm flaky so that was me obviously with a hyper focus and then i'd do what i want to do with the hyper focus and I'd, I'd be bored and want to do something else so there was a lot of words like you're flaky, you try things and you give up, you start things, you don't finish them. Um, you say you want to do this, but you don't do it. And that was kind of the narrative that was going on until I actually did That was stick. coming from within you. That yeah. wasn't anyone else. That oh, yeah. Know. All the pressure, all that was coming from me. No one was saying that to me. There might have been quips. And again, with the RSD, no. the quips would be big. Um, you know criticisms that I would inflate into my head so someone might make a remark but that remark would play over and over and over and um, the fear of the judgment the fear of the feedback so a lot of the time I wouldn't put it out there what I was doing and again and I see this a lot with you know the women I work with the listeners of the podcast is that they do want to do great things they do want to do the things that light them up but then I think the RSD, the rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Is, and don't is... forget the default mode network, the, the DMN. Yeah. That amplifies all of that. Can you explain get... briefly? Because I know that, that this was a big part of this is a big part of your book. Yeah, I think it's much more, much more powerful than you're talking about rejection sensitive dysphoria. Yeah, I think everybody has a little bit of that. But the default mode network is is a really new discovery out of neuroscience and it and it really our greatest gift, we people who have ADD, is our imagination. But it's also our worst enemy. And that's because of the default mode network. So when your imagination is engaged, when you're arranging your succulent plants, uh, four different regions of the brain light up. And together, that's called the task positive network, the TPN. And that's when you're at your best. But then when the, the plants are arranged, the TPN shuts down. And what lights up instead are four other regions of the brain, still your imagination, but another part of it. And that's called the default mode network, the DMN. And everyone with ADD has got to know about this because the default mode, I call it the demon. 
and it sends out all those negative messages you were just saying. Uh, you're you're a, a dabbler. You don't do anything thoroughly. You're a lightweight. You you don't deserve your you know whatever you have achieved is done by smoke and mirrors. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, God gave you your kids. You didn't even do that. You know, yes. I mean, it just you know you you would just bash yourself yeah. in horrible ways. And you see, the reason you keep feeding the demon with your attention is we're always looking for stimulation with ADD. Contentment is too bland. You don't say she was riveted in contentment, but you do say she was riveted in self-hatred and despair and fear and worry. It's absolutely gripping. It's horrible, but it's gripping. So you go into a kind of stupor of brooding and ruminating and you just sit there staring at the at the wall or at the window or wherever and and the 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 message that you you've got to take in is couldn't be simpler but it's hard to enact namely redirect your attention it's like not looking at the accident on the side of the road you've got to look the other way and the minute you do that the, the dmn shuts down it, it can't survive without your attention but we tend to feed the demon because it's highly stimulating, horribly, horribly stimulating, but very stimulating. And um, it's a, one of the most powerful lessons I've learned in the, in the past few years is, is just that. And it's how our great gift, our imagination, turns into a terrible enemy, the, the DMN. But you can control it, not with medication, but by redirecting your attention. And would you say... Um... You know things like gratitude and visualization. Um, you know what? What would you use to? Well, any anything that will engage your attention. Go for a vi vigorous run. Turn on loud music. Do a crossword puzzle. Uh, take a really cold shower. Make hmm. uh, a cake. Call a friend and talk about something totally different. Argue about Brexit or argue about you know the whatever you're interested in, but off you know the subjects that the the DMN is torturing you with. Um, you know, it, it's, um, and you want to have available, you know, these other things to send your attention to. Visualization would be great if you can do it. it, it it's, uh, the DMN might be able to compete with that because it's, it's got to be very stimulating. I find um, visualization tricky. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but it, it's got to be visceral and grab loud music, cold shower, physical exercise. So whatever, whatever you can think of that will grab you and that'll take you right out of it you break these terrible bouts of i have patients who are so grateful finally they've been through all kinds of psychotherapy and medication it's couldn't be simpler just redirect your attention but you gotta find stimuli that are powerful enough to, to grab you so when you say find your rights difficult and you find it with, and I've written here in, in my notes, it's this special zone of finding it without the compulsion. So how are you saying that we, we obviously we've got the hyper-focus. We need something, some activity that satisfies two criteria. Number one, it's got to be difficult. If it's not difficult, we'll get bored. Mm -hmm. We won't do it. And number two, it's got to matter to us. It's got to serve a mission, or we're getting paid to do it, or it serves our mission, or it makes us feel great, whatever. It's got to matter to us. So difficult and matter to us, we're off to the races. For me, it's writing. Nothing is more difficult than writing. And it serves my mission. I, you know, I want to advance 
what I'm saying. And I'm, you know, I'm like a, a messianic, uh, itinerant preacher, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, spreading the good news. And, and so for me, that's my right difficult. Yeah. The sooner you can find it, the better. We need that outlet. We need to create. We need to build. The, the strongest drives in people with ADD are, number one, the desire to be free. And the number two, the desire to build, create, you know, I mean, look at you, four children. You, you've done the, the, the pinnacle of human creation four times, you know, and, and the, but we thrive when we have that, you know, something we can really sink our teeth into that challenges us, but that we can do and, and feel good about doing that very, and, and doesn't get mentioned hardly ever. People, when they talk about treating ADD, they want to drill down on executive function, which is fine. You know, we've got to learn executive function. But honestly, you know, get a coach and work on that and set up structures and devices. But the more the more far-reaching and really life-changing interventions are like find the right difficult, find the right job, hook up with the right person, uh, serve the correct mission, serve the master you believe in, so to speak. These things make a big difference. And yeah, you gotta figure out how to be on time. Although being on time, I'm, I'm late everywhere. And uh, you know, it, I don't mean to say I blow it off, but, but it's not all that important as opposed to knowing what really matters to me in my life. Like I'm sure you would say the same, what matters to me more than anything are my kids and, and my wife, Sue. And then uh, I happen to believe in God and it, it's not like I'm, I'm a, not about it. I just, it, it just mm-hmm. organizes and centers me. And then, um, you know, the, my creative work, uh, whether it's, uh, doing what I'm doing now with you or seeing patients or writing books. And, and, and I think too many people with ADD, they drill down on what they're bad at, like what your husband said to you. And they spend a lifetime trying to get good at what they're bad at. Now, that's usually some version of executive function, being on time or not procrastinating or getting organized, cleaning out your sock drawer or whatever. Enough. That doesn't matter that much. In other words, when I talk to people about disorganization, I say the goal is not to be perfectly organized. The goal is to be well enough organized that disorganization doesn't prevent you from reaching your goals. And now that's an achievable goal. You can get well enough organized or hire someone to get you well enough organized. So disorganization doesn't keep you from reaching your goals. You'll never be house beautiful, you know, you know, Martha Stewart, whoever in England you guys hold up, but you can get well enough organized that you're not failing to reach your goals because of disorganization. We really don't emphasize nearly enough the other things I've been talking about, the the importance of a creative outlet, the importance of having a project to work on, the importance of, um, like right now, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my uh, 23rd book. In fact, it's a new book about ADHD that I'm writing for a British publisher, uh, and uh, they're gonna, it's going to have... It's going to have illustrations, and it's going to be very ADD friendly. With little bullets and and uh, bubbles and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm I'm having a great time, but it's very challenging. You know, it, it, writing books, whatever format, it, it ain't easy. <laughs> and and uh, even though I've done it many times, I'm not a formula kind of writer. So each time I'm creating out of nothing. But that kind of stuff, uh, the power of love. I, I think in general. 
we don't talk about love enough. And um, what it's is that connection? It's, it's connection. Yeah, the yeah. power of connection. Exactly, 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 Kate. That's exactly it. I call it the other vitamin C, vitamin connect. And in today's world, man, oh man, are we suffering from a vitamin connect deficiency? And and the beauty of connection is it's free, it's fun, and it's good for you. Uh, the sad part is people don't take it seriously enough. Like right now, you and I are connecting. Guess what? That's good for us. You know, that that's fortifying. Sure, we're doing a job, I guess you could say, but mainly we're we're conversing and learning about one another and trying to inform people about what we know about this interesting condition. That connection that we make with each other and with the, the listeners whom we can't even see, it's there though. The connection is there, invisible and inaudible to us, uh, but but it is there. And that kind of network, if you will, uh, is tremendously important. You've created that with your podcast and you serve it and you, it's like your garden, you water it, you weed it, you take care of it and, and, and it grows. And, and so there we have connection, uh, we have a creative outlet, we have the power of love. Uh, I guess purpose, faith. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the, the definition of greatness is is a wonderful question to ask someone. What is your definition of greatness? Uh, Alfred North White had said, there can be no moral education without an habitual vision of greatness. Habitual is the key word there. It's not that you bring it out every Easter, but it, it's habitual every day. What is your, it's a great thing to ask kids, what is your vision of greatness? And to ask ourselves, what is your vision? Is it being rich? Is it being powerful? Is it being famous? Or is it doing good? Is it helping somebody? I mean, and I think if you think about it, uh, you'd have to come down on the final one, that, 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 that greatness has to do with improving the world. Um, and now, if you happen to become rich, fine. If you happen to become famous, fine. Um, but, but I think that that vision of greatness and talk about serving a purpose, if that can be the purpose you serve every day, and then you get involved in some cause or another, like you and I are in the ADHD cause. But, but it's part of our over, overriding vision of greatness, which is to help people improve the world. And the beauty, you know, St. Francis got it right in giving we receive. And people say, ah, yeah, that's bullshit. Well, it's not. It's true. <laughs> you know, and, and amazingly enough, you know, that when you give, you feel good. And, you know, you can take it too far and, and shouldn't do that. But these are the kinds of, uh, and it just so happens that we people who have this condition are unusually good at helping others. Yeah. But every one of our qualities has a, as a, as a reverse side. We're also unusually adept at mucking things up. You know? so, so, you know, we, can, so, we can be quite self-absorbed and introspective. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. at the same time, we, like you say, we want to help people. And we have a huge amount of empathy as well. I mean, you, you write about that in your book, all the paradoxes of ADHD yes, and all the reframes, yeah. which I thought was fascinating. And, yes, and I yeah. agree with you. I mean, a lot of the people that I work with, with ADHD, they just so happen to be in the therapeutic world or they were, they're teachers, doctors. Um, you know, they're, they're, like you say, there's this sort of inner drive to, to live with purpose. And it's the ones that aren't living with purpose who are resisting doing what they are wanting to do because maybe they are conforming to family or society or friends, whatever. They are. But I think, you, I think you, put, you put your finger on it. Your life changed when you 
when you started embracing yeah. the part of you that did things differently as opposed to, you know, telling yourself you should conform. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I touch wood, I don't want to say too much, but this is the I this is me at my best in my life now because I am living with purpose. And I used to speak to I used to go on walks. I'm quite spiritual as well. I'm, I've got a lot of faith and I used to sort of speak out loud, whether it was a prayer or an affirmation or something. And it would be I just wanted to be of service. I felt like I had a lot to give, but it wasn't the right time. I couldn't train because I had my kids were so young. And then I once I started all my training in, in the different areas, that's when I was like, OK, this is where I'm meant to be. And when I'm coaching and I'm we have that energy and I think this is exactly what I want to be doing because I li I'm living with purpose. I'm helping I'm guiding people to for them to thrive as well. And, and that's for me has helped my ADHD because my DMN is nowhere near as strong as it used to be. Like I, I give myself a lot more compassion. Can I write about you in my new book? Oh my God, I'd be honored. Yes, thank wonderful, you. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. I really hope you are enjoying today's episode. And I wanted to let you know about all the resources and the library of content that I'm building for you on my website. I know so many of you who are waiting for a diagnosis or perhaps have had a diagnosis and then have just been offered the only option of medication. So my library of resources is really open for anyone that wants to learn more about how to help themselves and empower themselves with regards to their ADHD. As you probably have heard me talking about, I have my ADHD hormone series where I am speaking to lots of different experts and specialists about how our hormones have impacted us throughout our lives and the connection between ADHD. We're talking about migraines, about gut, about PCOS, endometriosis. We're talking about PMDD, postnatal depression, and the impact of ADHD on pregnancy. There are so many different areas and complexities that our ADHD shows up as women. And I want to give you that validation, but also give you lots of tools at your disposal, lifestyle tools, nutritional tools, being able to get genetic testings, really understanding your hormones, and also, of course, perimenopause and menopause and how that shows up. I'm speaking to lots of different doctors, nutritional therapists, real experts and scientists in their field. That is part of my resources, but I also have lots of free resources as well with regards to burnout, managing our energy, using EFT tapping, and just general well-being. So I really want you to be able to tap into these different resources, whether it's paid for, it's the free ones. Um, I've got your tapping into your gold workshop, which is a very empowering workshop, helping you thrive alongside your ADHD with regards to your career and leaning into your authenticity and really being open to what it is that you want out of life. Now you understand your ADHD, your brain, your energy, and and I guess what your desires are now that you have more of an awareness around the way your brain works. So please head to my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. Choose the resources that work for you. Start slow. Start with one workshop, with one resource. Try not to get overwhelmed. But I do urge you to look at the ADHD and hormones workshops because it's so groundbreaking and we're giving you the most up-to-date information and I am updating this with new specialists and experts as we speak. So I've just updated it and from September onwards, we are going to be increasing the price due to the increase in resources. So if you are interested, I would urge you to, to look at it right now at the launch price. And this is me discussing what I learned in the workshop with Dr. Ned Halliwell.
And he spent a lot of time on something called the DMN. And this is all about neuroscience. Now, I'm going to give this to you. And I apologize to anyone here that has a science background, a medical background or a neuroscience background. I'm going to give this to you in the way that I understood it. And um, I'm quite good at like breaking things down to a very um, kind of baseline level. And he was very good at that as well. Brilliant at it because he recognized that there was people there that haven't got, you know, a psychiatry background. And the DMN is the default mode network. And we have something called the TPN, which is the task positive network. And we have something which is kind of like, it's like if you think about a seesaw, so we've got the TPN there, task positive network, and we've got the DMN there. And they are the opposite ends of the spectrum. Now for neurotypical people, it's kind of like balanced. It's just like a little bit up, a little bit down, but on the whole, it's sort of like that. But with people with ADHD, our TP, our, sorry, our DMN, default mode network, likes to rule the roost. It likes to have its say. Now the DMN is what, in a, from a positive perspective, is the one that kind of like, motivates us it's our imagination it gets us like big picture thinking it's how we innovate how we invent things it's it's how we come up with amazing ideas but on the flip side and he made me remember this because dmn is like demon he said it can be our demon side of the brain and with adhd the dmn is it's just more profound it's a stronger um muscle and it, it's the trigger point is off for us. So the TPN is where we kind of like can focus. And sometimes we can go into that TPN, which is where we hyper-focus and we can concentrate. But what happens is we can very easily and quickly slip into the DMN mode. So I'm using this sort of seesaw analogy. And um, it can become our worst enemy. So if we think about the DMN, it's our imagination and we have fantastic imaginations many of us are creators many of us are writers and if you think about you know musicians and and they have have this flip side and unfortunately if you if you think about you know musicians who are writing incredible songs unfortunately they they have this sort of depressive mode as well and and we do see a lot of um creators with ADHD because that DMN is so um, dictating it can make us like absolute geniuses and so we have to always be aware of it but what he says is now that we're aware that we have this dis default mode network that is very powerful we don't want to feed this demon and we have to use it for our advantage now if you think about, um, I'm just not, I've just highlighted a few things here. So just bear with me. Sorry. So the DMN allows for expansive, imaginative, and creative thinking. I'm not going to go into all the the neuroscience of, of the actual part, of the brain that it's in, but it's the mode that you can daydream, and you make interesting connections between concepts. And he says it was surely in the DMN that the wheel was invented. And the DMN and the TPN are the yin and yang of our brain, which I just think is a really powerful way of understanding it. But he says, as, a, as helpful as the DMN can be, 
It is also the demon for ADHD because of the capacity of our intractable rumination while held captive in it. So what I'm saying is that is why we are very prone to self-criticism. We're prone to rumination. We're prone to overthinking. We're prone to catastrophization. And we have this glitchy switch. Now, this is big news in neuroscience. This is big news in just understanding the ADHD brain. Because not only we, we always knew that we were prone to negative spiraling, we we're prone to RSD. You know, this is a big part of why we are very quick to flip into that kind of like, oh, they didn't want me. You know, the feedback was terrible. I'm really bad at what I do. You know, we can have like a million degrees and still think we, we know nothing. And it can lead to, you know, negative, gloomy, and self critical thoughts. And, and we have to be aware. Now, unfortunately, there's not much we can do about this glitchy switch that we've got. But what we can do is we can be um, we can be aware, and we've got this sort of internal self system that we can rein it in back towards the the TPN, kind of like bring a bit more of an equilibrium, which is. I talk a huge amount of like not needing to be like high all the time and happy and, you know, positive and all of this. Like we don't need to be like that. But what I seek in my life is um, an equilibrium of neutrality of like being okay. That was all right. That wasn't great. You know, but not flipping from this extreme way of thinking where it can be exhausting and debilitating to live in that in that way. And so we don't want to be sort of off kilter and out of sync. So the reason why we have lots of issues with our mental health is um, very much with regards to the DMN. And now I, I do hope you excuse me because this is, I'm like bringing a huge subject into quite sort of like a very sort of broad subject. But this is why I wanted to talk about EFT. Tapping gets into that side of our brain. Now, this is for me was massive. Because I didn't know why EFT, I understand that the neuroscience of EFT from that perspective, but I never understood why I found it so helpful for ADHD. And now I am, now I understand because there is, it, it's ta- literally tapping into the, that part of our brain where we can shift our, our thinking and we can acknowledge the negative side of our, our thinking. We're acknowledging the DMN. We're seeing what it's wanting to show us. And then we are moving through it so we can get back into that equilibrium of the TPN and the DMN not being so um, extreme. So he just said, we have this glitchy switch. And the glitchy switch, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of like going into my notes here, is, is learning about how we can outsmart our negative thoughts and learning how we can pay more attention to the positive. And so when we have this issue, we can forget what's going, what's going well in our life. And that's when he said something like gratitude and journaling and and acknowledging the good is really, really powerful. So, you know, this is why very often we, we hold on to things. And he said, you know, as we know with so much, how, hard it can be to move past things if we're holding on to resentment 
we're not able to let things go in life. Think bad things happen and we ruminate and we go over them and we go, well, only if, what if this? And again, even if we just get an ADHD diagnosis later on in life, to move past that, to acknowledge it and then move out of that DMN mode and go into forward thinking mode, which is why coaching is so is so good. It's recognizing um, what positive attributes, what strengths we've got, and moving onto that. And that's why you know forgiveness, letting go is is so important. Again, it's going back to that what is reality and what isn't reality what is the dmn what's our imagination conjuring up and almost taking a step out of it and and this is why connecting with the right people so having that one person again i'll go back to my husband he is very good at showing me what's real and what isn't so if i go into catastrophization mode and anxiety mode he'll say well really what where is you know what is that really going to happen like what's what's telling you? Like why are you thinking that? And the chances are that's not going to happen. He brings me back into that part of my brain that um, helps me just kind of see life for what it is and not my imagination, which is brilliant. I can do all sorts of things in my imagination, but it takes me down you no know, very dark places. And so we have to use our imagination as a greatest asset, but also recognize it is, it is our worst enemy with ADHD. And I don't want it to sound really negative and really kind of like, oh my God, this is life. But I think it's really important for you to have that acknowledgement and that awareness. And it's how we move through it because we have an ADHD reality that we could live in that isn't true. That's not how, you know, and again, that goes back to like, we can live our life in fear and we can keep ourselves in this box and we can just like live our life in in isolation or we start understanding our brains a little bit more and understanding that we perhaps can't change intrinsically what's going on, but we can change how we want to show up, how we want to behave, how we want to interact, how we want to connect, how we want to work how we want to create, but we do have these choices and it's a very empowering way of of being. Okay. What I want to be able to show you is how we can use EFT. I'm going to give you an example of DMN, of of how we, our imagination kind of like goes, you know, off into, um, into a spiral and it can be really really sort of like trivial. You know, we're going on holiday and we're worried about, the airport, worried about flights, worried about delays and losing our luggage. And all of a sudden we're up in the middle of the night and we're, you know, lost a night's sleep and we don't want to go on holiday and we're anxious and the, everything is ruined. And, and I'm just kind of giving this example because, um, you know, I don't want to go and have to go too sort of dark on, on an example, but I want to kind of use this and what we do in this situation, because say we are really looking deep down, we're looking forward to a break, deep down, we're looking forward to a family holiday, deep down, we're looking forward to going off on our own on an adventure and, and whatever way you want to, you know, look at it. But all these little things that are, are, are coming up is giving us like serious anxiety. So we just go into the tapping and we just take some breaths. And I, I'm going to do this. Feel free to join along if you do feel like there's something going on for you right now. 
And I'm just going to just take a deep breath. I'm just going to just take that deep breath. And all of a sudden, just that one breath is already lowering that cortisol and it's just bringing that stress level down. And I'm just going to use this as an example. And I just want, you know, so I'm really worried. I'm really anxious. I'm really anxious that this is what's going to happen. And then we just let out what all the, the DMN, that demon side of our imagination that is wanting to tell us about all the what-if scenarios. We're going to be delayed. We're going to lose our luggage. I'm not going to get a taxi. We are going to be stuck in queues. I'm going to get COVID, like whatever is coming up for you, but use this for anything that's going on in your life right now. Bring out those what ifs. And then we just kind of go, just go, um, this is what I'm worrying about. All these anxious thoughts. I'm worried about this. And just say whatever it is that you're worried about. Really put it all on the table. And you just get really anxious and I can feel it in my body right now. And I just want you to acknowledge where it is in your body right now. This is what I can feel right now. I'm going to say it's in my shoulders, all this tension in my shoulders. And I know what I'm worrying about. All this tension in my shoulders. And it feels like, I just use it as a, uh, an analogy. What does it feel like? It feels like I'm being weighed down. It feels like I'm being crushed. Whatever it is that it feels like, just acknowledge what's going on in your body. And just use this, just whatever is happening. All these anxious thoughts. And now I don't even want to go on holiday. Now I don't even want to go there. Now I don't even want to do the thing. I'd rather just stay at home. It's just easy to stay at home because what's the point? It's all going to go wrong anyway. And we're just letting this part of our brain have its say. Just let it have its say. And I'm going to kind of rush through this a little bit just because I want you to be able to see. It could be two or three rounds. It could be 10 rounds of just letting it have its say. All things that might come up, things that you might not even acknowledge. Just keep going back to where it is in your body. Is it moving? Is it lessened? Until you've run out of things, of worries, of anxiety, of what you're ruminating on. And then I just want you to go back to your hand. You just go, even though I'm having all these worries, maybe I can, maybe I can do this anyway. Even though I'm having all these worries and I don't even want to go, Maybe after this tapping, I'm going to feel better. Or maybe after I've released it, it will pass. Maybe I can cope. Maybe I'm more resilient than I thought I was. Maybe I can let go of what I can't control. That's a really big one. We like to control everything. Maybe I'm more resilient than I think I am. Maybe I'll just... Um, maybe I'll just tackle this one step at a time. 
maybe I really can I can cope with whatever glitches come up and it will be fine. And you just say, as I tap, I can feel the anxiety release. And this is where we start to kind of like start feeling a bit calmer. And the TPM, which is the sort of the, the better side of the, the brain, starts kind of equaling out. So if we think again, let's go back to the seesaw analogy. It's starting to feel a little bit, you know, more equal. And then neutrality kicks in. That's what we want. And you just go, actually, going to the airport right now doesn't feel that bad. And if there's a delay, I'll cope with it. Whereas, you know, 10 minutes ago, catastrophizing how we're going to cope. The kids are going to drive me mad. We're going to be stuck in a queue. It's like, maybe I can just trust that everything will be fine. Maybe all of my fears won't be, will be unfounded. And this is why EFT is so powerful. This is why tapping, because we're not dismissing anything. I'm just going to just keep tapping. We're not dismissing. We can just go, I acknowledge what's going on in my brain. I acknowledge that I have all these worries. I acknowledge that I have all these fears and I have this anxiety. And this is just the way my brain works. And I accept that. I accept that this is the way my brain works. But maybe I can learn how to release these worries. Maybe I can learn how to cope. Maybe I can do this. And it's okay to have worries and release them. Okay, so then typically what we do is, again, I'm sort of condensing this, is just let's start, take a nice deep breath in and let it out. And so to be able to recognise that there is a neurobiology, there's a neurological explanation to why we're prone, why we're prone to this negative spiraling, why we're prone to criticism, fear of rejection, why we're prone, again, you know, addiction, I'm not going to go into addiction right now, but we we have a a brain that is very, um, it's prone to wanting to go into like, big thinking and we can utilize it for the good and for the bad. So I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and all the blended episodes that have been released recently. I've absolutely loved getting these past episodes back out again. I know there's been lots of new listeners recently, so to be able to sort of blend these episodes with themes has been fantastic and I've really enjoyed listening back as well. So I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break now. I've got a few weeks off while we get the new series up, edited, running. I'm so excited to bring these new guests to you with some fantastic conversations, great names, really interesting topics as well. So if you are patient with me, give me a couple of weeks, new series will be back. But in the meantime, if you are interested in my resources, please do head to my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. And there you will have access to all my resources, free and paid for. I've got workshops on there. Of course, the hormone series, which people are really, really enjoying and I'm updating as we speak. And I have started a new Substack 
Now, Substack is a writing platform where I will be adding further tools and resources, ideas, tips. It's a bit quicker. It's sort of an extension of the podcast. So things that are going on for me and anything that I'd like you guys to know. So I'm going to put my Substack link in today's show notes as well. So please do join me on there. Follow me on socials. And I hope between all these different resources, you'll find the guidance and support that you definitely deserve. Take care and I will see you in a few more weeks. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope you found what you were looking for in this conversation and it has helped guide you towards some further self-healing, self-exploration and most importantly, self-acceptance. And if you have enjoyed this conversation and would like to experience more of my work, such as access to exclusive live workshops and opportunities for group coaching sessions, connecting with other like-minded women and a general feeling of belonging, please come and check out my monthly membership, the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective. I've made it as affordable as possible and I offer you lots of resources and opportunities for connection and support from other women all around the world being diagnosed with ADHD later on in life. I'd absolutely love to see you there. All the details are in this episode's show notes or on my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. See you in the next episode.